It's go time. We are in to the frenzy that's known as CFL Free Agency, and we can't wait to get started talking about it. Hi, everybody. Don Charbon along with Heath Graham and Pat Mooney. Welcome to Quick Kicks here on Third Down Gamble. Teams now can legally talk to players and come to the table and offer this, that, or the other thing to the player. The player can then agree in principle and say, I like that. But there are caveats to all of this. So quickly, just to give you a primer before we get into this, there's a seven-day window that we're in right now that started on the 5th. And essentially, teams can talk to players, as I indicated, and then anything that's agreed to in this context, has to be submitted to the CFL office and the CFLPA. At the end of the seven days, which would be uh, February the 12th, pending free agents then move into an exclusive 48-hour window where the team with whom they played the previous season has the right to negotiate with the knowledge of the contract offers available to them. If they want to compete, in other words, spend more or say, this is too rich, Congratulations, that's fine. The players at the end of this process then have to announce with whom they have signed. If they choose not to accept any offer, then on the 14th at noon Eastern, they are free agents and the process for them, relative to them, starts all over again with teams coming to them and saying, we'd like your services. It's a bit of a gamble. This kind of helps the players along in one sense, because it tells them there is interest in me. The other side of the equation for the teams that helps them is if they do have their eye on re-signing a player, they know what the market value is. And if they're really sincere, they may up that market value, but they know the numbers and that helps them along. So right now, as I say, this is the the discussion point period. This is the time you're going to see on on Three Down Nation, they've come to an agreement. They've come to an agreement. And this is basically the, a team has offered, say, Winnipeg, Kenny Lawler, and said, this is what we're prepared to pay you the next two seasons. Lawler says, great, there's no deal until the window closes. Giving that team that had Lawler, in this case Edmonton, the opportunity to relook at what they may have offered or try to entice him to come back. The interesting thing about this is it does also lock those teams in. So teams who are taking a quarterback or a high-paid receiver or moving to a linebacker, they're locked on that money if the player does choose to accept it. They have to then honor that contract as well. That is the premise under which this is all tied together. You can't come in with a fanciful number, throw it at a player, say, we're going to register this with the CFL and the CFLPA, and then back away from it. You have to live with your word, and this is a binding proposition for both sides. I'm a big fan of this negotiating window. I think it opens up a lot of transparency and allows teams to better set up their their cap management knowing what kind of money they're putting forward and what is being agreed to. It will be interesting to see if anybody that has an agreement in principle with a team right now ends up re-signing with their original team. But a lot of 
players that have done so already have been taking to social media and thanking the the previous organization, thanking the city and the fans. So it appears the majority of them anyway are on their way out of those cities with these agreements, but there might be some last minute negotiating to retain somebody's services, especially if you miss out on somebody else that you're targeting, it might be time to reevaluate and see who you can retain. That's where your 48 hours of exclusive negotiation with pending free agents still comes to your aid. The part of this though, that I think we need to understand is that if a player has gone this far, i.e. they're into this negotiation window and they've reached an agreement with somebody, chances are the team that they left is not that interested in pursuing this any further because if they were that sincere about keeping that player, more than likely they would have come to terms before the negotiation window started. Absolutely. Once you've agreed to it, in essence, you've given your word that I'm going to be playing for you. If someone does back out, I wonder how that would impact them for future negotiations. To this point, I I can't think of anyone that has backed out in the past since this has been implemented. One name that has already been mentioned tonight was Kenny Lawler. Last season, we knew the Blue Bombers couldn't fit him into their cap, but there was a lot of speculation that he was going to the BC Lions and it sounded like it was a done deal. And then somewhere along the way, the Edmonton Elks managed to find a bit more cash to send his way and he jumped ship to the Elks. And it appears this year he's returning back to Winnipeg as well. So he's a name that has bounced around a little bit in this negotiating window. And it looks like he had the best thing in Winnipeg that maybe he missed out on a little bit last year and is going back there for another run. Famously, in the early 2000s, there was an offensive lineman in Montreal that had signed to deal with the Saskatchewan Rough Riders. The next morning, had second thoughts, asked that that contract not be honored. The Riders obliged, and he went and stayed with the Alouettes. He still wound up with a job in Saskatchewan, though, as a head coach. Scott Flory, absolutely. These things do happen. And this is why they have this negotiation window in place. You've got this time to sit down and think about this so that by the time you come to the team with whom you played last year, you pretty much know what's going on. And then if you really think that you can get some more out of them, you can say, well, here are the numbers that I've been offered. The one player that I'm very curious about is Jameer Thurman of the Calgary Stampeders. The Stampeders were trying to re-sign him. They were sincere about that. Right now, Hamilton seems to be in the lead with their offer sheet. The Stampeders, I do not think, are out of the woods. The other one that I would argue is Trevor Harris. Despite all the rumors of him winding up in Saskatchewan with a two-year deal, the the scenario that played out last year could play out again. He had a big contract with the Alouettes. I'm sure that they wanted to chisel that down a little bit, given that he's going to be 37 this spring, and a long-term deal wouldn't have necessarily been in the offing. If Harris wasn't happy about that, then clearly he's got every opportunity to go the route that he's going again, and we shall see what happens. With the Sam Peters and Jameer Thurman, it's interesting because, yes, they do want him. He's he's one of the best linebackers in the league, if not the best, and he has an opportunity to stay in Calgary. But again, they didn't put much money out towards him prior 
to allow him to move into this period in time. In this case, if they come back with a higher offer, that kind of changes what we've seen from the Stampeders over the last few years. They haven't been paying big money to those free agents, kind of keeping a salary cap at each of their players and running the team in that sense. Now, you'd think they might have some free space to be able to bid higher on him. They chose not to do that. So Jameer Thurman has agreed to terms at this point with the Ticats. And if we want to continue on the Trevor Harris train here a little bit as well, Montreal's in a tough spot. They don't have any other quarterbacks under contract that look like they're starting caliber. So unless they have some tricks up their sleeve, maybe targeting a trade with Hamilton for the services of Dane Evans, maybe they are shopping some money towards Cody Fajardo. There very well could be a situation where they are desperate to re-sign and up that offer a little bit more for Trevor Harris to come back one more year. The Alouettes, in spite of their ownership issues, still have to field a team this year. They've got to look at somebody to be the man to run that offense. Now, whether that comes via trade with Dane Evans, does that come via free agency, it's hard to say. There are free agent quarterbacks that are available. Michael O'Connor, for instance, Antonio Pipkin from British Columbia come to mind. If Danny Machocha is looking to rejig his offense, and maybe he's seen history play over and over with the Alouettes, they have not made it past the East semifinal, and he figures somebody else needs to lead them to get to the promised land. Harris is going to be 37 years old when the season starts. He probably only has a few years. So if you're looking for continued success, Harris is probably more of the stopgap. He's got a year or two left for sure. I think he can still perform at that high caliber, but he's not your quarterback of the future. The Alouettes, ultimately, if you're going to rejig your offense, change it over, there has to be somebody in mind. Unless this is the game that they're playing like they did last year where Harris walks and then comes back. I don't know what else they do. And we've seen some other quarterbacks that we speculated might be on the move have already signed. We saw Nick Arbuckle re-sign with the Ottawa Red Blacks. We saw Matthew Schiltz re-sign with the Tiger Cats. He had spent time previously with the Alouettes and would have been a an interesting fit to come back to Montreal as well. Another name that's still out there at this point Caleb Evans hasn't really proven himself as a bona fide starter, but a backup role to somebody like a a Cody Fajardo or a Dane Evans might not be a bad spot. Still only 24 years old uh, is Caleb Evans, so some upside potentially there as well. Then you have a quarterback like Dominic Davis who signed with the Lions as a backup to Vernon Adams at this point, it appears. He may have been an option if a team got stuck not having a starter. He's had some quality starts. He's also had some difficulty at times in that starting role. So definitely a good backup for the Lions, but one more quarterback off the market. The rumor mill producing that Trevor Harris may be coming to Saskatchewan, that to me is fascinating because the Rough Riders are also playing that Cody Fajardo may be coming back to Saskatchewan. And how do you juxtapose those two names given that there's only one football and one starting quarterback. At, at this point, if Trevor Harris ends up in Saskatchewan and Cody Fajardo comes back, he's going to have to accept a demotion to the role of backup and a demotion in terms of salary. I wonder if he'll be willing to do that or will a team like Montreal, if Harris does go to Saskatchewan, Montreal take a look at signing Fajardo and if Evans becomes available either through a trade in 
my estimation, Montreal not giving too much for that trade because he is going to get cut at some point in time. You'd hate to go all the way through training camp without giving the opportunity to know the system. Dane Evans is the nugget that really needs to be uncovered. They have to determine, is he going to be a starting quarterback? If he is, does he make the the money that he's supposed to make? And if he does, then you've got to seriously look at him if you believe that he is that guy. When Dane Evans was hot, he was ultra hot. When Dane Evans lost confidence, that's when the trouble started last year. It could be an anomaly. It could be a one-off where he just had a bad season and his star is rising. As a GM, how do you relate to all of that? You have to imagine at this point, the Tiger Cats are getting lots of inquiries about what it would take to get Dane Evans. The number of teams looking for that bona fide starter are dwindling as we've kind of gone through the roster of starting quarterbacks for most of the teams. Montreal would be the most likely one, in my opinion, just depending on what happens with Saskatchewan and Trevor Harris. So those are the two teams most likely, but we've also heard McLeod Bethel-Thompson in Toronto says he does intend to play in 2023. He hasn't really declared which side of the border he's going to play on. We know he's got a young family in the U.S. Some of those spring leagues might be enticing to him for one more season or two seasons but a chance to be close to home. So if by some chance Bethel Thompson does play south of the border, are the Argonauts willing to hand the offensive controls completely to Chad Kelly, or are they looking for some security there as well? That is the big question in Toronto. McLeod Bethel Thompson, if he's planning to play in the spring leagues, he's already eliminated the XFL because he's far too late to get involved with that. That only gives him the op to play with the USFL and he's never going to make the money that he makes in the CFL. So he's coming to Toronto and playing for the Argonauts, or he's not playing for anybody. Speaking of money, I think that's what really is going to hamper Dane Evans' movement as well. If you're trading for Dane Evans, the contract that he's currently on at 450000 is going to carry through with him. Unless you're guaranteeing that he's going to be your starter, can you afford to pay him that much? Or do you take a look at bringing Evans and Fajardo in, both with a 250, 300,000 and incentive laden types of contracts that they, if they're starting, can make starter money. The thought that Dane Evans's contract is too large only matters if you don't believe he's your starter. If he's going to be the starter for the team, that number is totally in keeping with what goes on with starting salaries for quarterbacks in the CFL. That isn't the issue. But if you have doubt, then you may wish to have in a trade the knowledge that you've already negotiated with Evans a new contract and he's a, he's amenable and accepted it so that you can make the trade knowing that, as you say, Pat, maybe it's incentive-laden, maybe his base is a little bit lower, but you make more by performance on the field. That's a possibility. Some teams do do that. As you mentioned, though, he does have a lot to prove after a disappointing 2022 season. It's a a make-or-break situation for Dane Evans at this point. He has to get back to that 2021 caliber of play and maintain it through the playoffs. We saw that kind of go away come Grey Cup time, and, and it's an opportunity for him. He will have a chance to compete for a starting job somewhere in this league. We just don't know exactly where yet. 
talked a little bit about Kenny Lawler and him coming to an agreement with the Blue Bombers. There are others. Kyron Moore has reached a deal with the Elks. You've got Darrell Walker in Edmonton. Does he stay with the Elks? Do they have him in their plans even? Or is he on the outs and maybe has to find employment elsewhere? Well, the reported agreements with the Elks with Stephen Dunbar Jr. and Kyran Moore may mean that some of those Elk receivers are going to have to look elsewhere. The biggest piece of the receiver puzzle still out there at this point is Eugene Lewis as well, formerly of the Montreal Alouettes. And by all appearances, former is exactly right. It doesn't look like that relationship has ended well, and he will be on the move somewhere. A few other receivers that we talked a bit about last week have re-signed with their original teams as well. We see Curly Gittens Jr. has re-signed with the Toronto Argonauts and Nick Dembski with the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. Those are our two big national receivers that are staying put and that that ratio for those two teams has settled down a little bit as well. When it comes to Eugene Lewis, you've got to think that a team with claws are probably his best destinations. It's either Hamilton or British Columbia. Hamilton because there is a need, especially if Tim White doesn't re-sign there. And Tim White is looking for big dollars to stay put. Now, I know Bo Levi Mitchell has said Ticats need to re-sign him. They may still. If they do that, I don't think they're going to have room for Lewis, and that pushes him, I believe, all the way out to the coast. And the Lions would be more than interested in reuniting him with Vernon Adams Jr., who the Lions have just re-upped through 2024. Will they be able to give him the type of money he may be asking for, as, as in being the top paid receiver in the league? Can BC free up the money to do that? Well, they just had a big hole to fill with the retirement of Brian Burnham, who we know was a fairly high paid receiver in this league as well. So it would make sense for BC to go after him to fill that void. Although Vernon Adams Jr. comes at a higher price tag than Nathan Rourke did last year as the starting quarterback. So they've got to play that cap game a little bit in BC. The Lions really made a splash last year with Jordan Maximic's offense. They did a lot of very good things with Rourke at the helm. Now, Vernon Adams Jr., as much as people say he's not a Nathan Rourke, yes, but he has put up some amazing numbers and played some amazing football in Canada. I don't think they lose anything with him. The styles are different, but I think he can produce pretty good offensive numbers. The question now is, with Burnham gone, that's a safety valve. You need somebody on that inside to work for you, and and Lewis, quite often for Montreal, did that work. I also wonder if Trevor Harris goes to Saskatchewan. Will he be pushing to bring more than just Jake Wieneke, who seems to have agreed to terms at this point, Eugene Lewis could be a potential landing space if Saskatchewan lets three receivers go in Dekeel Williams. Uh, Kyron Moore looks like he's moving elsewhere. And as well, you've got Shaq Evans. So with those three potentially leaving, you should be able to free up some cap space to take a look at a receiver like Eugene Lewis. The Rough Riders, though, have problems on their offensive line. Then they've got to leave some cap space for that. Now, if Darnell Sankey leaves from the linebacking core... That's another hole that you have to fill. And there aren't many linebackers, I would think, other than maybe Avery Williams, Enoch Mwamba, who 
might be available, although... I, Micah Tights may be coming back, though. He could be if he's healthy. That would be huge for the team. But Avery Williams, I'm I'm thinking that the Red Blacks are going to make a strong pitch to him to keep him. I would doubt that Enoch Mwamba is leaving the Argonauts for any reason. So where do you find another starting linebacker other than maybe if Micah Tights is ready to go? It will be tough. One good thing for the Riders is they have re-signed Larry Dean, the other part of that fantastic linebacking core from last season. I'm interested to see, as you talk about the airlifting of the Montreal Alouettes into Regina, if Trevor Harris signs. Jake Wenicke is an interesting addition as well. He had an off year in 2022. Much like Greg Ellingson in Winnipeg last year, I think Jake Wenicke comes into Regina with something to prove and needs to have this type of season he had two seasons ago as opposed to last year to really solidify himself as a, a number one or, or number two option in the receiving core. The uh, interesting thing, there was a battle on Twitter. They're calling the Friday, August the 11th Saskatchewan at Montreal game an inter-squad game because of the likelihood of, at least at this point, Harris and Lewis being in Regina, the Alouettes would not be happy campers. In the past, we've seen a lot of Calgary Stampeders go east to the double blue Toronto Argonauts. And then this year we're seeing a reverse flow with the Alouettes moving to Regina. We do still have a number of receivers left out around the league. You take a look at the Stampeders. You have Kamar Jordan, Richard Richardson Danny. You can go down Others, Greg Ellingson, who you mentioned, as well as Rashid Bailey, are both open. Uh, Saskatchewan, we've talked about their three receivers. You have Reggie White Jr. with the Alouettes and also Darvin Adams coming out of Ottawa, who are still remaining free agents. So there's a lot of quality receivers still available out there. R.J. Harris would be another one. Tavares Daniels is signed with the Argonauts. He's off the table. You've got about two or three guys that everybody's sort of queuing up, ready to take their chance with them. And I think that will impact those receivers who are still out there. They may not get the money that they're expecting due to the sheer number of receivers that at this point haven't re-upped with their team and are left moving into free agency, as well as the number of receivers that are going to be brought to camp out of NCAA and Canadian college teams. Rashid Bailey is a prime example of that in Winnipeg. We see him getting priced out because... Kenny Lawler has agreed to come back. A very capable receiver, didn't quite have a breakout season per se in 2022, but a very solid year. And I think he's going to be somebody that's going to get a look from some other teams. I'm sure he would love to stay in Winnipeg. The Bombers would love to have him, but it doesn't look like the money is going to sort itself out. And this is always the joy of this time of the season. You can Come to the table early and get an agreement and get out of the way, or you can wait and see if there's any money left by the time you acknowledge that you're available on the 14th. It's a tough, tough choice to make. We haven't given any love to the defense, but there's a lot of defensive players available. Hamilton's defense could be gutted if they don't start signing them soon. A lot of quality defensive backs, defensive linemen, linebacker. Somebody's got to re-up in Hamilton. Seems that they're doing a great job with the offense at this point. You know, they, they picked up a couple linebackers, so I think their core is solid. You've got Julian Hauser, Micah Johnson, Ted Laurent. That's all three up front. Malik Carney did 
re-up with the team. So that's one person that they don't have to worry about. And then Jamal Roll is not signed yet. And you've got Simone Lawrence, who's been with that team forever, still very capable, not signed yet. It just keeps adding and adding and adding. And Orlando Steinauer, it's interesting that he's focused on offense right now. Now, does he look to free agency to fill in the holes? If he gets Jameer Thurman, that's not bad. That probably spells the end for Simone Lawrence. But what about that defensive line? How many defensive linemen are out there that you can find? Not a lot. We've seen some resignings. We know Anthony Lanier has resigned with the Saskatchewan Rough Riders. The Blue Bombers have their defensive line pretty much back together from last season as well. So not a lot of free agents coming their way from, from those two teams. Also, Pete Robertson re-signed with the Rough Riders and is now the highest paid defensive lineman in the league. There's some aged veterans out there kicking around, but is that going to be an upgrade for the Tiger Cats at this point? Some big names we've talked about before, people like Ted Laurent, who's still out there, as well as as well as Jagarid Davis. So some of these guys were the premier defensive linemen that we talked about a few years ago, and they're still hanging out there. Now they're a little bit older, but still, I think, quality players. Jagger Davis, big signing for the Argos on defense, though, was, well, a pair of them. Winton McManus and Royce Mechie both came back within a day of each other, and that helps a lot. Enoch Mwamba, I'm kind of thinking that if he's going to play, he's going to play in Toronto, as I said earlier. The rest of it, Chris Edwards, Argonauts have stated they don't want to go deep into free agency this time out. They're, they're satisfied with their roster for the most part. Well, if you're satisfied... These guys have got to get under contract. I'm curious to see if Hamilton makes a, a pitch to get Ja'Garrett Davis, Ja'Garrett Davis back to the Tiger Cats. He left after a pretty long stint in Hamilton, finally got his Grey Cup ring with the Argos. Where is his loyalty and, and how much does that Orlando Steinauer influence persuade him to maybe relook with the Ticats? Stampeders... Uh- Typically, the model of consistency, this could be a transition year for them because they did fall down in the standings just a little bit last year. They have to make some changes to get out of that. This could be the year where the Stampeders get a lot younger. Of course, that means there's going to be some growing pains in the early months of the season. This is the first season with Jake Mayer anointed as the absolute number one starting quarterback as well. Bowley by Mitchell famously has gone on to the Hamilton Tiger Cats. We saw Mitchell with a winning record and decent numbers get benched last year in favor of Jake Mayer. It's his team now, and that is a a youth movement in going from Mitchell to Mayer, and we're going to see that in a few more positions with the the Stampeders. The Stampeders did bring back James Vodders, who's recently played with the NFL Chicago Bears and the Atlanta Falcons. He had some success there and certainly was a good player for Calgary when they had him previously. You also have Sean Lemon, who is the outstanding defensive player in the West, who's also still waiting to come back. Are they looking for that youth movement now? Do they have players ready to step in that they can pay less and let those guys go? Or are they going to be doing their best to resign them? Especially if Jameer Thurman does go to Hamilton, Lemon will probably be signed by the Stampeders. Alouettes probably are the biggest on the radar and and the Ticats. Ticats defense and the Alouettes offense are the two biggest question marks that I have 
everybody's in this grind trying to figure out who's available, how much do we have to spend, are they going to be available, will we still have the money to afford? It's a real juggling act, and every league with a cap has this. It's to the point very quickly here where you need to rely on that scouting staff as well, where you're going to look at newcomers to come into the league and replace some of these guys that are pricing themselves out, especially defensive backs, kick returners, kickers, those types of positions where you scour the NCAA and Division Two and look for those hidden gems that maybe nobody else has their eye on yet and make a starter and hopefully an all-star out of them. Of course, there's the pressure from the two spring leagues. How much of the talent pool that would normally be there is being swallowed up? I think that new collective bargaining agreement that has allowed players to now get guaranteed money has also led to a number of signings that aren't just one year plus the option. We're now seeing players take two and three year contracts because that will get them into the situation, even if they're moving to a new team, where at the end of that two years, if they re-up, they're going to be guaranteed some money. I think that's been a positive in terms of keeping players in the league, but not only in the league, but on the same team for a period of time. In our next podcast, we're going to have Andrew Hoskins of the Turf District guest with us, and we're going to be deep into free agency and the signings, and this should be fascinating. And then the following week, JC Abbott from Three Down Nation podcast is going to be on the show, and we'll be talking a lot more CFL stuff with him, namely the Alouette situation and what free agency has meant to the teams from their perspective, because of course, Three Down Nation is all over this. Thank you for listening to our show. Third Down Gamble is hosted on Podbean and can be found on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and Spotify. Follow us on Twitter at Third Down Gamble. Join us again, the Third Down Gamble podcast, audio worth watching. Third Down Gamble uses the expert resources provided by Canadian Football League player and game statistics, for analytics, game notes, and statistics, and 3downnation.com for news, insight, and in-depth analysis. Please visit cfl.ca and 3downnation.com for the most up-to-date information on the Canadian Football League.